0: Welcome, this is a super important podcast about hair, question mark, featuring Ryan Teal and Steven Adams as your co hosts let's begin. Awesome, well welcome to everybody to our podcast once again, a super important podcast featuring Ryan Teal and myself and our guest today is David Gatt. All the way from David Gatt's phone. It says right there, which is super are we, cool. Are we uh, I mean, are we on right now? We're on. Oh, nice. Nice. We're we're lo- we're going. We have begun.
1: Um. So, um, uh, do I look all
0: right? I mean, are we working? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you're looking good. You're looking fly. So we have forty minutes. So we have forty minutes on this uh, get together. So um david yeah welcome to minnesota you drove all the way in today where did you come from
1: uh, i drove from Millbank, south dakota
0: Mill, what were you doing there
1: I, I was hanging out with my granddaughter oh, that, that's cool that's super yeah. cool she lived out there so i was there for the last uh, uh like four days just chilling with her and her family Sounds that good
0: that's awesome yeah, nice. yeah, Ryan. What have you been up to? Where are you?
2: I'm in Knoxville, Tennessee. I, I'm at um, the Crown Plaza in Knoxville, Tennessee. It's uh, where the is it the Vols or whatever football like college team is here. Like I, they stay at this hotel. I don't, I don't even know.
0: <laughs> Some kind of football thing. We have the Final Four happening this weekend in uh, for basketball happening in Minneapolis. Which is kind of crazy. It's made made everything insane, but it's been pretty fun. So, David, whoa, are you going sideways now? (laughs) There you. That that looks looks pretty good. Yeah. So, give us a little history of yourself. Tell us about yourself. Why? Why do? Why should people listen to you? Uh, that's like the worst worst question. (laughs) Um. Like, maybe, like, uh, my... Uh, How about your stay? history? Um, well, I was born a poor black child.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh wrong, wrong movie, sorry. Uh, no, um, I started doing hair back in the 80s uh, in middle school. Uh, um, so that was kind of... I wasn't officially doing hair. I was um, motivated by um, trying to um, looked like Duran Duran, <laughs> and uh, and that was kind of the beginning of it. And, and so, uh, friends and family doing hair in the garage—that's kind of uh, was the thing. I was a DJ, so I always had music going in the garage. I had my speakers and equipment, and we'd have a bunch of people over and we'd cut hair. That was fun. But I never thought I would actually do hair for a living. I didn't know people actually did do hair. for uh, until much later. What did you think you would do? What did I think I was going to end up doing? Yeah. Um, I think I always wanted to be an artist. You know, I always wanted to, you know, uh, paint or draw and, uh, for a living. And, uh, I didn't really know what, what that meant either. Uh, but I knew I was artistic. I was into music and art and these types of things. So, um,
2: unfortunately
1: people that get into the arts, uh, a lot of times, uh, we, uh, we kind of have um, a rocky road to get us to where we want to go just because there's no real clear defined uh, pathway for uh, for creative people uh, so where you know everyone else that I knew went to college and went and did their their own thing because they knew what they wanted to become or had some basic idea I hadn't a clue it <laughs> took me a while
0: I can relate but to I- that
1: I've been doing hair for three weeks now. It's been pretty
0: good. Wow. And in three weeks, you have become so. How you've gone so far. Yeah. Got
1: it. I'm a a fast learner.
0: Now, you own a salon in Albuquerque, New Mexico, correct? Correct. How long have you owned your salon? Square Week Salon. Square Week
1: Salon, we opened in 2011. So, um,. Yeah, I worked for a salon prior to that for about 15 years. Um, I had always aspired to have my own shop. Um, not really because I thought I would make a ton of money or anything along that line, but because I had a lot of ideas and, um, and I felt like I wanted to do my own thing. So uh, the idea of, I mean, when I first got into doing hair, there was, there was not the term independent hairdresser. I mean, people didn't really talk about stuff like that, right? That's a fairly new animal, right? And so I think I wasn't thinking, like, I wanted to go be independent, do my own thing, and screw everybody. What I But I felt like I had a particular kind of um, uh, angle on how I saw things and how I wanted things to run and uh, how I could educate others and so on. And so, um, so I kind of thought, well, I would... You know at some point want to do that and, and have so it's been good it's uh, salon. I mean how, how many how many uh, stylists do you have so uh, we have 32 employees right now and so I believe we have 26 stylists and uh, the rest are like uh, estheticians and front desk and such so, so
0: that's yeah, a, that's a big salon to big, take care of
1: yeah and it's, yeah all like you know commission yeah everything's commission yeah i i don't i'm not anti-booth rental or anti-independent contractor i think that could work for some in some situations um but i think if you have a strong vision and you want to really get people on board with that vision that you can't really do the independent thing you know uh, very well so i think at our salon um i thought it made sense to really just kind of push the whole team kind of effort and, and try to get everyone on the same board that way. So it's worked really well. I mean, uh, we, we have a good crew um, and a lot of creative young people. They have a ton of energy, but n- not a lot of discipline. And so it's like, uh, you know, uh, what they bring to the table, uh, you know, I can't. And what I can bring to the table, they can't, right? So <laughs> the hope is that you kind of have this kind of uh,
2: mixing of all those things, right? So it seems yes. to work out good. How long is, like, your longest stylist that has been with you? Like, like you know, somebody who's been with you the longest. Like, how long is that? How, how, how about it?
1: Well, we have two gals that have been with us since the beginning. So, uh, since 2011. Okay. So. Um,
0: That's eight years. So,
1: um, yeah. So, you know, you have, um, you know, of, of course you're going to have some turnover with with time. I, you know, I, I think I read a statistic that... 18 months is the average staying time for a new stylist in a salon, which isn't very long.
0: Um, oh, no, it's not. And so, so, uh,
1: so we do like getting um, we do like getting people fresh out of school and training them. I think that's really cool. Um, but you know, out of every like two or three people that we uh, hire on that way, we lose one of them inevitably in the first year and a half. So. You know, it just it just kind of works out that way. But we've had we've had um, I would say that there's on our staff probably about eight or nine that have been there for five years or more,
0: which is good. Wow. So you got a good mid crowd.
1: Yeah, so I, I think I think we have a uh, um, you know we have some people that are pretty talented that have stuck around and are helping to train others and, and investing in what we're doing in our vision. So but
2: good. It's been really good. And do you ever, like, like, like what would you say to somebody who was, oh? and the only reason I'm saying this is because I had a big salon as well at one point. Mm-hmm. And I remember I just used to get so pissed off <laughs> by, like, I would spend all this money training these, these little jerks right out of school. And then 18 months later, you know, they're going to, you know, either open a salon down the street or they're going to, um, you know, go be an independent booth renter somewhere else. How does that make you feel? Like how, how do you deal with the, the monetary loss really?
1: Well, I mean, I think it's a very real thing and I think it's one of the main reasons why, um, salon owners burn out. You know, they, they really, they invest mm-hmm. in others. Um, you know, at every turn they're thinking about, Hey, my, my life, my money, my time is invested in this place and these people. And, um, and then we have people kind of look at your life's efforts and just kind of like walk away from it like it's no big deal. Yeah. Um, and you know, you invest in people, it, it takes a long time to really get someone
2: up to par, right? Yeah. I, I've always seen it this way. So, beauty school's year one, they have three years of finishing. So, it's like four year college. Exactly. I've always thought of, always thought of it that way. And so, you, you've got a good three years of
1: finishing before you're going to really start making some money and doing decent in the industry. So if I'm investing in you for that amount of time and and paying you for it, I hope you're going to stick around. You know what I started doing? I actually started asking for a verbal agreement from them. And uh, I don't make them sign contracts, but I started asking for a verbal agreement and I've been shocked at how how many more people will actually stay longer just with that agreement. So Really?
0: That's interesting.
1: So, you know, the thing is though, I think you know what? I, I think the reality is this though. If you're in that mode where you're teaching, you're you're growing people up and they leave you, you know what? You're still in a better place because what you learned through that period of time is, is really valuable. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's frustrating though. I mean, I hear I hear uh, salon owners all the time, you know, getting pissed about those things and I get it. It it I think what it does it it really kind of it really makes your efforts look cheap. Right. And you, know, and it it really, and it's hard not to take some of that personally, right. You invest in a person, Mm -hmm. you're not just investing in their technique, you're investing in this person, like in their life. Right. You're like mentoring them in a sense. Right. And when someone doesn't really reciprocate as far as, you know, what they're willing to give towards the vision or whatever, it's, it's heartbreaking or when they leave, it's a bummer. Right. But what you know, you just keep going, right? I mean,
0: well, you have to.
1: I remember someone saying that hairdressers were transient, right? And uh, and I was just like, uh, that was before I opened the salon, and I was just kind of like, okay, this is going to be a hard thing. So I think I was mentally preparing before I opened the salon. Plus, every salon I've been in, I mean, there's people, the people that stick around and the people that come and go. You know, you have twenty percent of the people that are always moving through. It seems like. So I don't know. I, I I suppose that's just part of the reality of it. Mm-hmm.
0: I I really do like the fact that you said um, it's like a four year program, because I think that's like one of the key things. Actually, I just happened to say that in Chicago to a bunch of students too. It's kind of like I think it's really important to be able to like reiterate that to young students coming in when they're coming right out of school and just talking about it. It's like. This is really you're looking at a four at least a four-year commitment. And as for myself, I've actually figured out like how much I pay them, how much they bring in, and I've been averaging it out. Usually for me to make any as a salon owner, for me to make any money, somebody has to stay with me and average about four years before I make a dime off of them. Otherwise I'm always losing money. And it's kind of a so it's like but it kind of does work out. It's like, you really don't learn or you don't get the chop. You don't get, what's the right word? You don't earn your chops until you know, uh, four years in. And then at that point, you really become more of a master stylist where you can like okay. start to become your own.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, I always draw this little picture for everyone and it's like a little, a little arch. And I say that there's a trajectory here. You start off a flat line, you know, you get out of beauty school and as you travel up the curve, it's all uphill climb. The moment you peak, it's at about that four or five-year mark. Mm-hmm. What happens at that peak is you start to experience some level of mastery with clients, how you interact with people, um, the use of your tools and, and how to build a clientele, etc. If you're on it and you're full time, at that four or five-year mark, something's going to click. The seven-year mark is magic, right? We've all heard that, right? Yep. But there's something about that four-year mark when you're on a steady uphill climb full-time. And something happens also at that point, I think, that you start to make more money than normal. So your workload seems to kind of plateau, but your the money seems to increase. Now now you get to, like, you know, like you think of it almost like raising a garden, right? Instead of tending to the soil and planting like crazy and, keeping the pests away, now you have to trim things back, and now you're refining and shaping and making sense of what you've built, right? As opposed to like being in grow mode. I think in grow mode, a lot of times people don't realize uh, that that it will pay off, you know, that you're in that mode for a period of time before you can really even start, right? That four-year mark is like the start. It doesn't mean that you've arrived. It means it's the beginning, right? Right. Right. So, that's the way I like
0: to look at it. What they call that in the business world is like you hit that peak and you either stay in plateau or you rise and they call it the bell curve. Like you see, so you're like hitting that bell curve and your business will either stay or you're gonna have to change and like push it to the next level to go to the next level. I always say that it's like, you know, you start you start that first four years, you reach I call it the magic number in Minneapolis. It's like 1200 a week in services. That's the magic number, and you plateau there. And then the next one you can push to is about $2,000 a week. And then you push to the next one, which is about pushing 3000 a week. And then you go from there, and it's like then you can start hitting the magic numbers, as I call them. <laughs> it's, like where, it's like where the magic happens. I, how come I wanted to stand up and start dancing around? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, so I heard, I heard that like, you know, Anthony Muscolo says that you know you had mentioned seven years, and you know what I've noticed is yes, seven years is kind of the the, the ideal time. But what I've noticed is that at that seven year time period, you you also have to change something within your life. You have to change something within your industry. So um, like it seems like, and it seems like it's every seven years and it's almost cyclical that you have, you you automatically will want to switch into being, you know, doing something a little different. Like he went from doing like, you know, artistic direction into being a photographer. You know, um, I went from like salon ownership to owning multiple salons to owning a school. And it almost happened every seven years. Um, so really what I'm trying to say there is, is, you know, I feel like every seven years is when you get kind of bored of just standing behind the chair. What, what do you do that inspires you personally to maintain and stay, you know, continue working, you know?
1: Um, I, I think honestly, um, there's so many things I haven't done that I want to do. So last year I had a focus. I wanted to do um, some creative things um, that weren't necessarily to pop out images or to promote the salon. I just wanted to do creative things just to be creative. Mm-hmm. And so that was really kind of a nice little departure from feeling like everything that I did, whether I wrote or drew or took pictures or did hair, it all had to go to the salon. Right. So just remembering why I got into the business, right. I got into the business because I love women. I think they're beautiful. And if I can make them look better than awesome. Right. Uh, I love people, so to interact with people on a regular, it just makes sense, right, I love it, and I feel like I have some, I have design skills that are good, I'm a decent hair cutter, right, you know, it's like, so there's a, you know, I I love music, there's, it's just kind of like, this environment just feeds me, right, and so I want to make sure that I'm, I'm not getting so, uh, so stuck in the grind that I forget to just have fun, right, and so and then seeing new talent, it is really a kick to me. I think for years I thought that like the the younger generations were just exhausting. You know, it's like you know, hey, you need to do your makeup before you show up to work. You need to be on time. Hey, you know, you should have learned these lessons in high school. And um, I've kind of like changed my tune a little bit. I, I kind of feel like they can really come with a lot of energy. The things that I was a little afraid to do growing up in the hair industry. Um, They're not afraid to do it all. They're gutsy as all heck, right? They're just like, if anything, they're too gutsy, right? They are trying things that they, you know, that they maybe should understand some of the background to why they're doing what they're doing, but they're willing to jump in and do almost anything, right? And I figure, you know, it's like, wow, how can we harness that energy, that creativity, and, and so on, right? And, and I think in our salon, it's like, and I think this is true with relationships, period. What can you do to con- and connect with people and, and kind of utilize or recognize or empower their gifts, right? If someone has some sort of gifts or some sort of abilities or some sort of talent somewhere, how can we possibly encourage that for the benefit of the whole? Right. right? And so, um, so, I mean, we have a young gal. Um, we've had her for a year. Um, she's uh, really into curly hair. She's really expressed a lot of uh, interest in teaching and a lot of interest in uh, trying some different techniques. So, you know what? Even though she hasn't gone through our training program to be a trainer, she said, hey, she would do it on her own time without pay. You know, what? we had something like 10 people from the salon go to it, and they they all loved it.
2: And Wow. She, She's that's awesome. teaching the salon all these new techniques with curly
1: hair. Now I've specialized in curly hair for most of my career, and um, and some of this stuff is new to me too. So it's like, wow, that's really kind of cool. So I could say, hey, you know what? You need to jump through these hoops before you get there. Or I can go out on a limb and, and know that she might fall flat on her face and just let her kind of go for it. Yeah, you know, it's flexible. Yeah. And you know, and I think, I think there's something really great about that. It keeps, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like this, I'm really torn between having absolute control of every last thing that goes on around me all the time and just being relaxed enough to just let things
0: unfold. Right. I think if I get too relaxed, it's going to go in a direction I don't want it to or things are going to fall apart or whatever. Right.
1: Um, but at the same time, if I have too tight a, a, a control, it's like nobody's having fun—not even me. You know, right. so it, it, it doesn't—that doesn't make it a whole lot of sense. You
0: know, yeah. I think you need, as a salon owner, especially working with employees, you have to have a really good balance of it, where you know it's like. You, where you're serious and you have that little bit of like control, but then you have to bring back that fun and just like entertain and bring that motivation and that excitement and give people. I like the fact that you just said that you're more relaxed and you're just giving them opportunities and let them see where they take it. I think that's a really cool thing. I think that's super important.
1: You know, I read I read in a entrepreneur magazine. It was it was talking about you know you're an entrepreneur. Entrepreneur, if and I went through all these things, I was like, Yep, 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 yep. But one of the things that really got I got uh, that I got kind of stuck with is it said uh, a tremendous fear of failure, right? And I was just kind of like, Oh no, I'm more gutsy than everyone I know, right? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. But when I really started thinking about it, it's like, Yeah, that's really a lot of it. That's part of the reason failure is not an option. So the way I see it is this I've I've failed so many times in my life over and over and over and over again, but I kind of, I've conveniently wrote it off as part of my story, right? Right. This is, just part of, <laughs> this is part of the process. It's an adventure. Well, it's
0: because it is.
1: But I think it's exactly, and I think that's healthy. I think that makes sense, right? Yeah. I think it makes sense to, to stumble along and find your way as opposed to sitting here like shell-shocked and not knowing where to move to or what to do, Right. I think you you have to be gutsy, and be willing to fail if you're going to get anywhere, right? And I, I think it's really kind of um, those kind of efforts that actually uh, fulfill you. Anyways, you're in an uncomfortable situation. You find out some really good things about
2: yourself and the people around you. So, and I, I feel like work. you know you know you. I think you also kind of said it too, is that you know you're more gutsy. And do you feel like maybe it's not that you're afraid to fail, but you're, you've you've failed so much that the small failures don't hurt as bad as you know and so the big ones aren't I mean so that you've failed so many small times that when a big one comes, it's like a medium failure as opposed to a huge failure if you never failed yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying, but I, I, I think there's
1: something to that I, I guess like a small calculated risk, right mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we have all this money in the salon and we're investing in all these people. If the salon closed down tomorrow, everything fell apart. Oh, well, right? We won't <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, what are we going to do? Right. We're not going to go climb into a cave and die, right? It's like, mm-hmm. please. It's like, okay, now I don't have a headache, right? We, now we do something else, right?
0: Right, you'll Let's just look, pick right? it back up and start all over.
1: Yeah. yeah. So I think maybe I learned that philosophy from Cat Stevens. So, so <laughs> there you go. If you remember the song, the, the the verses from Moonshadow, do you remember that? Song Can
0: you, you sing it for us?
1: There? Um. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's a guitar behind you. You could probably sing, use that strum it a little bit, sing it.
1: <laughs> so basically, it says, uh, if, "If I ever lose my legs, I don't need to walk anymore. If I ever lose my eyes, I won't cry anymore, et cetera, et cetera." Right? Mm-hmm. So. Now, that may sound very hippie, but, you know, I think to some degree, it's, it's. I'm thankful for what I have, and I'm stoked to be involved in what I am involved with. I'm so thankful for the relationships, the connections I have, and the opportunities I've had. Uh, but if it all fell apart tomorrow, then so be it. We figure it out, right? You move on. You keep going. And, you know, if there's, and I think there's opportunities behind every. Every uh, every failure. So whether it's a small failure or a big failure, mm-hmm. you figure it out, right? So the life life is definitely that way, right? We don't know what's next, and and, uh, and and it can it can turn on you sometimes, and you don't even realize it. So.
0: Right. Well, I feel like so many times I, I deal because we you know in our salon we hire a lot of people right out of school. We tr- we really work with them and train with them, but they're held back by the fear of failure they're like they're crippled by the fact that they might not be able to do the haircut perfectly or they might not get the color just the way we want it or just might not be able to do the blow dry the way we want it but and it's like I think that's for me the hardest thing to be able to teach people is to be okay with making mistakes and that it's okay and that's class is safe how do you my question to you is how do you train your staff to be to feel like it's a safe environment.
1: Well, I think just, um, they need constant encouragement for one. And, um, I think it it may sound cliche and corny, but celebrate their successes and, and teach them through their failures. Right. It's, you know, I think you have to look at it as constructive, no matter what goes on. Right. I think the only, the only time that doesn't work is if you have someone that's not teachable. And in that case, you don't want them anyways. So I kind of feel like, you know, you put the clinch on the person that, uh, that, you know, is, is not teachable and they work you know, they somehow work themselves out. Right. But I think, you know, anyone that's willing to grow and learn and is on, on Mark with our vision of being career minded long Um, most of them are pretty receptive to uh, some direction. Right. And, you know, and you have to be gracious, you know, it's like, I remember being a, you know, there, there's stuff that echoes in my head from when I was a kid and when I was a young hairdresser that some of that stuff, man, it just bugs. Right. it's like, I don't know why that stuff comes up. You know, all of us have this kind of, uh fear failure on some level and are, we're not being liked or uh, these, these types of things. And, you have a lot of hairdressers coming in and they're very relational people. They're very emotional people. They're artistic people. And um, and they're, they're just finding trying to find their way. And I think um, I think we need to uh, be able to extend some sort of direction without crushing them. You know, and uh, I think you can be firm, but you, you, you definitely need to be relational. So um, empower instead of control, right? Yeah. So uh, you know that's easier said than done, right? Because oh, no. uh, exactly, snap out of a kid, right? You know? <laughs> so, anyways, yeah. But I, I think in the salon in general, I think there's there's those people that are really um, eager to please leadership, like myself or other people that are leading in the salon, that are really eager to please and will do anything, right? And then you have the ones you have to kind of uh, get on board and you have to be on their case a little bit. Um, but I think sometimes winning those people over is more important than having the ones that are eager to please, right? Because if you could kind of model how they're supposed to be in life and have them come alongside, mm-hmm. they end up being very loyal and they end up being really good hairdressers. They kind of, you know, I've had people come to me years after the fact and say, I don't know if you know this, but my life is so much better because I knew you. Not only what you taught me in hair, but just who you were in my life at that time. And I'm like, great, you quit at a really pivotal point in my career. (laughs) 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 You made my life complicated, right? (laughs) But, but, you know, it's really neat to, to hear that you can have an impact on people. In the
2: long term, you know, instead of just right this moment, it almost like brings a a tear to your eye. What's that? Almost brings a tear to your eye. Oh
1: yeah, I get. I I'm a I'm a sap, man. I you know it's like, yeah, I I, I've always kind of been a sap. I don't I only have two modes: angry and sappy. (laughs) (laughs) And so so I think. and as I get older, that uh, uh, you know, anger doesn't seem to fit very good. So I, I can't help but, I think just with the age I am and with the, how old my kids are and seeing all these young people growing up, in, uh, you know, in the salon environment, it's like, it's really odd to, like, see some young woman and it's like, wow, she's good looking, wow, she's cool. Like, I get along with her great, and it's like, she's younger than my daughter. <laughs> you know, it's like, this is crazy, right? you know, it's, it's really kind of a weird thing. You have to not only kind of adjust what you're thinking um, with the people around you because, again, it is relational. But you have to really adjust to who you're going to be in their lives, right? And I think I'm not, I'm not at the bar hanging out with the 21-year-olds drinking, right? It just, it wouldn't fly, right? It just wouldn't fly for anyone, especially for my wife, right? You know, so I think... <laughs> I think, I think the reality is is that in those kind of situations, period, uh, you just have to you have to be aware of who you are, and be aware of what where the boundaries are, and and be smart and think about what you're really there for, right? You know, and I I hope that some of these people know more, and are better equipped for life after knowing me, than they were before, right? And you know that. You know, any kind of abuse of power, whatever you want to call it, is really kind of like the lowest of the low, right? I mean, that's like, that's just, I mean, that's just not good. So I don't even know how we got there, so.
0: <laughs> we're, we're, this has gotten really deep. Yeah,
2: totally. <laughs> so I want to ask you a question, because I know that we only have like seven and a half minutes left. So really, really quickly, Um Desert Island, top five records that you have to have on a uh, desert island uh, top 5 records on a desert island um,
1: ok so uh, Black Celebration the Best Road um, Led Zeppelin 4 um, um, In Rainbows uh, Radiohead Yep. Yeah. Uh, two more
0: yeah I got two more oh my gosh I know it's tough
1: there's so many good records I just don't I'm just trying to think of what I listen to all the time gosh I don't know I'm stuck.
0: Probably Cat Stevens. You already talked about (laughs) Cat
1: Stevens.
0: I would take the greatest hits more than I would a
1: particular album, just because it's just filled with just great stuff. So, yeah, you're right. Oh, and then I'd probably, there's a guy named Clem Snide. Well, the band's called Clem Snide. So I would, uh, they have an album called Soft Spot. I would take that for sure. Nice. If you have not heard that,
2: Ryan, you need to hear it. I uh, haven't. I haven't. Text me that when we're done. Text me that so that don't look it up. That's, some... That's some good stuff right there. So, All right. Okay, well, uh, Any other burning questions? Uh, how do people get a hold of you? I know mean, you work with uh, uh, Nick Rojo How do people get a hold of you? How do they find you on Instagram? You know, How do they find you on uh, Facebook? You know, so on and so forth. Yeah, on Instagram, it's David
1: underscore GATT, G-A-T-T, underscore hair. So David underscore Gat underscore hair on Instagram. And, um, on Facebook, I think it's just David Gat. Um, other than that, square root com. Uh, you can go on Instagram too and square root salon, all one word square roots salon. And you can see what we're up to. Um, uh, we're doing education year round and, um, and we're involved going different places and doing, uh, doing hair and miscellaneous things. I'm actually here this weekend doing hair for, uh, a uh, little class for Steven staff. Yeah. So, uh, part of the reason I'm here right now. So, um, it's just fun to do, you know, get connected with people that you, that you know, and like, and, and are like-minded and, uh,
0: Fun. yeah it's Absolute like price. David's here this weekend and then in October I'll be down at his salon so we kind of do a we do what educational swap it's been kind of a cool thing with the Rojo ambassadors
2: it works yeah. out it does other hair shows this year what's that you get any of the other hair shows this year,
1: shows this year? Mm, I was in New York but um I'm I didn't go to New York I mean to Vegas or Chicago though Okay. Um, Are you Premier premiere? Or? I, did,
2: I did Florida too. Uh, okay. That's premiere, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. That was January. Or when was that?
0: January. <laughs> that was Long Beach. Oh, okay. That's IBS. Yeah. <laughs> when? When is premiere? In June. Like? Is June.
1: Okay, cool. <laughs> I did it last year, but I, I haven't done it this. Year. Uh, Are you going to go do it? I don't know. I, I I don't know. All I know is that I will never, ever wear nylon again in Orlando.
0: <laughs> That's probably it, it probably good. Like,
1: it was like 7 in the morning. I was sweating like a freaking pig, man. It was. <laughs> it, it,
0: oh, it's that so was warm. It was really wrong. Can I tell you one more quick story? Yes, man? go ahead. You um, got a couple minutes.
1: Okay, I was in West Palm Beach at Tracy's Salon. Tracy Vasquez, Scotch Bonnet Salon. And um, we went, my wife and I went to swim in the ocean. And, well, I swim in the ocean. I'm swimming around, hanging out. And I get out, and about a minute and a half after I get out, sharks everywhere. <laughs> right where it was at.
0: I saw the yeah, video.
1: Oh, did, did you see the They
0: video? were the spinner video, or the spinner sharks, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because you showed, nice. I think you either you showed me or Rita showed me the video
1: it took off my arms <laughs> <laughs> I'm just
2: kidding anyways well, well thanks uh, thanks for chatting thank so much uh, I, I think this was this was great I, and it was it was great uh, talking to you I mean I I see you and we're friends and all that kind of stuff but it's also nice just to pick your brain I don't think we've ever, like I've ever really sat and talked business with you every time we sit and talk it's usually um, you know either talking shit or, or uh, uh, talking music
0: yeah yeah
1: uh, did i come up with the fifth album yet
0: or no no you're avoiding it <laughs> no you did you clem snide yeah clem snide okay
1: well
0: cool uh how do we end this well we
1: just,
0: well, say, we just say thanks goodbye and then there should be a button that you i'll hit goodbye and end the meeting do I just, do I just walk out sure you can <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> too. Uh, we're still
0: here we're still here we got less than a minute though all right guys i want to say thank you again ryan thank you thanks for coming from where are you uh,
2: knoxville tennessee today
0: all right how do people get a hold of you ryan
2: uh, ryan underscore tl on instagram
0: cool and i'm Stephen at Stephen adams hair and that's with a ph Otherwise, you can't find me. Don't confuse me with the basketball player, Stephen Adams. Not the same person. Or Brian Adams. Or Brian Adams, or Ryan Adams. But David, thank you so much for being here, and I'm excited to have you teach my class in my salon tomorrow. Love you guys. (laughs) All right, have a good one, guys.
2: Do I need to bring scissors?
0: (laughs) Run (laughs) with scissors. You can do whatever (laughs) you want. All right, bye.